0: Unveiling the secrets A-list copywriters use to make themselves and their clients millions. This is the Copywriters Podcast with your host, the world's greatest copywriting coach, David Garfinkel. All right, welcome back to the Copywriters Podcast with your host, the world's greatest copywriting coach, David Garfinkel. David, how are you doing today, man?
1: Nathan, I'm good. How are you?
0: I am... Good, and I'm excited to be back on the air because we're returning to one of my favorite, actually, you know what, hands down, my favorite series, my favorite uh, rabbit hole that we like to travel down on the Copywriters Podcast, and I'm excited about it.
1: Yeah, well, I like it too. I've been surprised how many people like it. I kind of did it as a lark, and you know, that's how things happen. You try something, and if it works, you do more of it. Yeah. All right, shall we jump in?
0: Absolutely, let's get to it.
1: Well, like you said, Nathan, we're back with our old master series. And this particular episode is the last part of a four-part series, what your prospects most want to know. And I'll add, what is it that they want to know right away? And whether or not you tell them might decide for them whether or not they keep reading. And the answer is still... What will your product do for me? But this time, we're going to take it from a different angle. Up till now, we've talked about what your product can help them do, gain, or save. But this time, it's about what your product will help them be. And this is different. In many ways, may go deeper than before because this is about identity. And now, be honest with me. Would you call this... The identity statement of copywriter's podcast, copy is powerful. You're responsible for how you use what you hear on this podcast. Most of the time, common sense is all you need, but if you make extreme claims and or if you're writing copy for offers in highly regulated industries like health, finance, and business opportunity, you may want to get a legal review after you write and before you start using your copy. My larger clients do this all the time. Okay, so here's what we're going to do today. We're going to go over seven things Victor Schwab found prospects want to know if your prospect can help them be, what your product can help your prospects be. I'll show you how and why, and we'll cover some examples you're probably familiar with in general, like product categories, or in specific, like promotions, maybe you've heard of, maybe you haven't. And again... This is all from the book, How to Write a Good Advertisement, by Vic Schwab, and before he wrote it, he had spent 44 years working in direct response advertising, and he kept a lot of notes. Everything here is based on testing and very scrupulous observation with an eye towards what stimulates inquiries and generates sales, inquiries and sales, the two mainstays of a business. and observations from the eye of a master, Vic Schwab. Ad, Ad Age magazine called Schwab the greatest mail order copywriter of all time. In 1941, he wrote a series of five articles for the old printers, Inc. magazine, and the series that series he wrote for them, it was titled How to Write a Good Advertisement. In 1961, he expanded that series into the book How to Write a Good Ad. This book is so important that my mentoring clients and I spent almost half a year going through this book in a special way I've developed. And this book is as good in its own way as Gene Schwartz's Breakthrough Advertising. In short, I'd say Schwab's book is a gold mine for copywriters. Mm-hmm. Also, a quick reminder, everything in this and the three previous podcasts in this part of the Old Master Series come from page 47, the top of the page, the first half. That might seem like a lot of podcasts based on very little information. But remember, he spent 44 years testing and tracking ads and reviewing other top performing ads. So it is condensed practical wisdom. Now, let's get into it. What did Schwab say people like when you show your prospects your product can help them be? The first thing most people, at least those who are parents, want is to be good parents. It's fair to say it's tough being a parent. It's always been a hard job. I've heard it said that they don't give you an instruction manual, which is true in one way. It's not like when the baby comes out of the womb, the baby hands you a printed book of instructions, as far as I know. But in another way, it's also true, but only true in the sense that you don't just get one instruction manual. You end up getting many all at the same time. And they may end up giving you contradictory advice. See, back in the day when I was a baby and a young boy and a boy and a teenager, there was Dr. Dr. Spock, not Mr. Spock from Star Trek, but Dr. Benjamin Spock, who wrote the Bible of parenting baby and child care. I think that was one of the many manuals my parents had to deal with another one was the spoken manual from my father's mother grandma she was not always right but she was never in doubt that she was right and relentlessly persistent plus there were countless other manuals influences philosophies ideas they had to contend with i think my parents did a pretty good job considering what they had to work with and i don't think i'm a special case no quite to the contrary I bring this up because I'm pretty sure every parent goes through some version of this. And one of any parent's greatest fears is that they're not being a good mom or a good dad or not being good enough anyway. Since nobody really knows what to do most of the time anyway, even if they are sure that they do, kids will always provide enough random, unexpected results to lay that idea to rest, which means anything you as a marketer as a copywriter can offer to help parents feel more confidence that they're doing a good job doing the right thing will be a he- will be appealing to a huge number of people you could be offering a book or a course about parenting in general or one aspect of parenting it could even be something that doesn't initially seem to have anything to do with parenting but you could make the case that by learning a particular skill from a course you sell, you will make them a better role model for their kids. Even if you had a course on fly fishing, doesn't seem like that has much to do with parenting. But if mom or dad is going to be a fly fisher person, surely they would want to model this properly for little Jimmy or Susie. You see, you can put the being a good parent identity in there As one of your benefits. Maybe not the main benefit, but if nothing else, a good excuse for the parent to buy the course. Well, when Jimmy wants to learn fly fishing, I'll be better at it, so I'll be a better dad. And in the world of technology, we've already talked about nanny cams in a previous podcast. Some parents fervently believe they will be a better parent by keeping an eye on their kid every waking and sleeping moment. I don't know how you watch a football game while you're also monitoring the nanny cam, but I bet there are people who figured that out. And how about youth sports coaching? Any product or service that will help a parent be better at that can take advantage of this desire. So that's the first one, the desire to be good parents. Nathan, what say you?
0: First of all, fly fisher person, very politically correct way to address the term. I'm also thinking of a lot of like SUV or minivan commercials where it's all Mm -hmm. about the safety, the mom showing up to pick up the kids after soccer practice and how great of a mom she is because she can handle half of the team. She can get them in there and they can go have their pizza party after the game. And I don't know if it's still the jingle, but I remember growing up and choosy moms choose Jif for Jif peanut butter was a huge, it was like, Hey, if you're a mom who cares about your kids There is no choice other than Jif. And that was very much the appeal of that whole peanut butter brand. So, yeah, reinforcing, no, you're a good parent. By buying this product, you're a good parent is a huge way to tap into the desires of the identity.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's much better to have something like choosy moms choose Jif than Jif. Don't feed it to the dog. (laughs) you agree okay Let's, let's go to number two people want to be sociable and hospitable now this one can be a little hard to grasp maybe for some copywriters as a group we tend to be lone wolves and introverted not all of us but many of us and probably most of us so this could be an alien desire as far as you're concerned but remember You are not your prospect, not usually. So if sociable and hospitable are the first things from your mind, just ask yourself this. Why do people buy Weber grills? You know, those huge contraptions for cooking up a dozen hamburgers at a time in your backyard? Of course, it's to be sociable and hospitable. Now, men can get very competitive about their grills and their grilling ability, but that just goes to show you that competition and sociability go hand in hand like a hot dog and a bun. Another example of this motivation, breath mints. Very popular among social people, so their breath smells just like a sprig of fresh mint. Also, did you know, and I got this from a book by Rory Sutherland, who works at Ogilvy in the UK, 95% of toothpastes are mint-flavored. Is mint a known preventative agent to fight against tooth decay? I think not. I think it's for breath freshening, sociability. Now let's turn our attention to home building and real estate. Have you ever heard of a guest bedroom? Of course, everyone has. Well, most people have. Guest bedrooms are just a marketing name the developer or the realtor gives to one of the bedrooms to acknowledge how hospitable the future homeowner will be. It sounds such so much more sociable than third bedroom or fourth bedroom. Two more things to spotlight the natural human desire, at least among extroverted humans, to be sociable, tailgating at football games and party planner businesses. Always consider how you can help your prospect see they would become more sociable and hospitable when they have and use your product.
0: I wonder how much of that goes back into our primal tribal mindset where we want to make sure that we're a valuable member of the community so that the community doesn't leave us in the event that we're running from a saber-toothed tiger and we trip and fall we want to make sure that we have that goodwill built up with the tribe so that they pick us up and carry us away from the saber-toothed tiger i wonder how much of that goes back to that part of the hidden subconscious brain
1: i would say all of it that's just the way i think but Yeah, I agree with you. Yeah, good question. All right. What do we got next? Oh, you'll like this one. The third thing people want is to be creative. So, a while back, and I really think this was a while back before social media exploded and everyone had their own TV station, (laughs) right? Friend of the podcast, an A list copywriter, Richard Armstrong made one of those off-handed comments you hear from marketing geniuses when they're clearing their throat or seemingly commenting on the weather. But it was brilliant. And he said, these days, the most dominant urge among people was self-expression. I told him it was brilliant, but as I remember it, Richard just shrugged his shoulders and cracked a joke. I still think it's brilliant. It was a great reading of the the Zeitgeist. I knew I could say it. Taking the world cultural temperature accurately. We could get very meta here, but let's keep it in the realm of marketing. The urge to be creative and to express that creativity is something a lot of people have and something that as a copywriter or marketer, you can definitely cash in on. So to start with, guitar courses. I've bought a few and had a couple been gifted by a couple, by friends who market their own courses. So not only guitar courses, but other artistic courses too. Look at online provider masterclass. Almost all of their courses are about one form of artistic expression or another. And I think they even have two guitar courses in there. I even sped through a different one, one from the voice acting teacher on masterclass to prep for the voices in last week's show the five monsters of copywriting. Here's a rogue thought, just an idea. A lot of people go into business not so much to make money or even to be free from a job so much as to express and realize their vision. It's kind of like they are painters, but their business itself is a combination of paints, their brush and canvas. Now, creativity, moving on, creativity in the popular culture has a star quality to it with Hollywood, the music industry, the media. But as copywriters and business owners, we don't always realize the full scope of activities people engage in besides running a business to express their creativity. There are a lot of things people do that aren't glamorous or recognized by the media masters that are still creative. So because these things are not deemed as glamorous by people we don't realize they're creative. Here's some everyday examples detailing cars. That's creative, that's very creative, but it's not seen as cool in the popular culture say as much as being a movie star. A few other creative activities that usually don't get the cliegle nights are knitting, cooking, not top chef, just cooking at home, woodworking. So Whether you have a product that is for an obviously creative purpose or not, remember, people generally want to be creative. And the more you can appeal to that urge, the better off you are likely to do. Creativity? Yeah. You
0: know, this one, I always like to kind of figure out what it is, the underlying motivation for things. Creativity, I feel like there's some self-expression there. I feel like there's some... standing out from the crowd in a non-dangerous kind of way. But I also think that for a lot of creative endeavors, it's the appeal of immortality. It's the appeal of this is going to last longer than me. I'm going to create this song and people will still be listening to it generations from now. I'm going to write this book and my grandkids will be able to read it and know about what I wasn't there to pass on to them in any other way. So I don't know if there's any specific one-size-fits-all way to tie that into your copy, but I think to understand that that is one of the underlying motivations for creativity is very important.
1: Yeah, I think that's a, a really good point. And when we, I don't know if it's which one it is exactly, it's coming up soon. People taking pride in possessions. You know, if if you can, you like woodworking, and you create a chair that you know will last through the generations in your family, Th- that proves your point in a call it mundane way. I would just say everyday way, but the, the primal urge is there. So I agree with you. I think it's a really good point. All right. Yeah. All right. So the fourth thing people want is to, oh, I just mentioned this, is to be proud of their possessions. Now, if you consider yourself not to be a materialistic person, this wanting to be proud of your possessions desire, may come as a bit of a shock to you, but it is a proven reality. Let's start with the obvious luxury items. Rolex watches, Mercedes cars, Hanma golf clubs, which in case you didn't know, go for $75,000 a set. Yes, people really buy these. 14 clubs for a cool 75 grand. But possessions don't have to be expensive for people to be proud of them. Think of family heirlooms in antique grandfather clock, for example, jewelry that has more sentimental than monetary value, quilts. Some people will even proudly show you a cast iron skillet that grandma used to use if you come over to their house. Don't get them mad at you, though, because those things really pack a wallop. Have you ever heard of the Franklin Mint? They basically sell things with the intention of having those things become prized possessions, commemorative coins, medals, dolls, sculpture. If you're a military veteran, you may cherish your service uniform. A question I really don't want to ask you is, can you still fit into it? People covet their trophies and awards, even say from sports in high school. Of course, you couldn't sell them those at this point in time. That's something that happened in the past, not if they're authentic, but you could sell them a display case or lighting and oh, let's not forget guitars. I have no idea why I brought that up. Oh, okay, I do. Someday, I would like to hire a squad of cheerleaders to come over to my place just for one cheer for about 30 seconds. We're proud of our guitars. We're proud of our guitars. What a fantasy. Nathan, um, what would you like to add about people being proud of their possessions.
0: The only thing that I can add to this that you didn't really touch on is the power of collectability. When you can make something, one of the guys that I've been talking about some of his business stuff with him, he runs a cannabis seeds company where he breeds seeds for specific cannabis strains and they launch their seeds quarterly. They launch them in a, they'll put out like three or four seeds. They launch them as part of a collection. So people want to get, even if they don't plan on growing one or two of the strains, they want to get all of the ones that were launched as part of that collection. And he packages them to look like baseball cards or or comic books. His first business was a a baseball card and comic book brick-and-mortar store. So he knows all about the collective impulses. So just the idea of possessing something and having to possess every version of it or all of the ones that came out as part of this launch I, I remember back when mcdonald's used to put the and maybe they still do the toys and the happy meals and people would go buy a bunch of happy meals just so they could get the whole line of the batman toys that came out for the 1980s batman movie collectability if you can figure out a way to incorporate collectability into the selling appeal in your copy or into the uh, positioning of your product or service. It's for the right type of person. It's a very powerful appeal.
1: Yeah, great point. And boy, that that guy is smart. I, I love what he's doing, putting packaging the seeds like baseball cards. That's pretty clever. Okay, let's go to the fifth thing people want to be, according to old master Schwab, and that is influential over others. In case this isn't obvious for you, let me update it to 2021 and see if this doesn't instantly turn on a light bulb in your head, three words, social media influencers. I had a young and very intelligent person working at a company I was doing some training for asked me, do you think social media influencers will make advertising completely irrelevant? I don't know if she was kidding, but I'm kind of worried that she wasn't. Look, people have wanted to have influence since the beginning of time, well, human time anyway the great Madison Avenue advertising pioneer David Ogilvy wrote in one of his books speaking of the ancient Greeks, when Eschines spoke, they said, how well he speaks. But when Demosthenes spoke, they said, let us march against Philip. Now that's influence. Anyway, you can use people's desire to be influential in your copy in a number of ways. The most direct way is in books, seminars, and courses on persuasion. But there are less direct ways to use this desire as well. In the marketing space, you've probably noticed some mastermind groups imply that you will become more influential when you join. In a few cases, I've seen this to be true, because some of the other people in the group will give you the status and influence by the power of association. Now, let's look at it in an even more direct way than before. For people who equate Physical dominance with influence. Some bodybuilding courses use this desire people have as one of their selling points. Uh, the desire we'll talk about at the end of the show dovetails with influence, so I'll save one example I might have used here for that in just a few minutes. So Nathan, any thoughts on the desire to be influential over people? All
0: I'm going to say is that was a very big part of why I got into copywriting in the first place. Was I was failing? I failed four businesses in a row. And I said, I need to learn how to sell. And in order to learn how to sell, I need to learn how to influence people. And so for me, I can't deny that the desire to influence was probably one of the biggest motivating factors for why I got into this line of work in the first place.
1: That's a really good point. And it it certainly does help you have that. So that could be A selling point for learning copywriting. Uh,
0: (laughs) I'm betting probably 99.99999% of our listeners are thinking to themselves, yep, I got into copy because I wanted to learn how to
1: influence. Probably. I mean, that is why most people do it. All right. Number six, the desire to be efficient. I guess about every technology innovation plays on this desire. Most people want to be able to get things done more quickly. For some people, it's so they can get more done. For others, it's so that they can spend less time working and have more time to do other things. In any case, this all boils down to efficiency. A Great example is the app called Slack. A team of volunteers who call themselves ragtag wrote a piece on Medium, which says in part, Slack is like a chat room for your whole team. It is a computer application that was created as a way for organizations to communicate both as a group and in person, in personal one on one discussions. You can communicate as a group through channels or privately via direct messaging. It is an awesome tool to help you organize. Slack makes communicating easy and fun. Hmm, sounds like the kumbaya of project management software. Mm-hmm. But in terms of efficiency, here's a gem from the article. Stop losing things in email. Slack can replace email, text messaging, and IM with one app. Okay, I can get into that. Sounds like efficiency to me. Or coffee machines. Some of them are very complicated and take a long time to brew truly the world's most perfect cup of coffee. Then there's the Cuisinart Grind and Brew, which you can get on Amazon for only $214. It grinds and brews and makes up to 12 cups of coffee. Very fast, I think. Just pour the stuff in and push the button, and you're off to the races. Now, I was mentioning this to my girlfriend yesterday as I was working on this podcast, and she said her mother has that exact model, and her mother's very sociable. All right, moving into copywriting again. How about templates? I once had a product called Copywriting Templates and I may release it again in the future. Right now it's off the market. It makes writing copy easier and faster. Efficiency. You can probably think of a lot of things that make everyday activities faster. Home appliances, an automatic dishwasher, a clothes washer and dryer, a microwave oven. You get the idea. People definitely want to be efficient. The question you got to ask yourself is, how can I show my prospect that my product will make them more efficient? That should help your sales. Nathan, what's up with efficiency?
0: You know, I think you've nailed every point of it. I'm just gonna say that copywriting templates and an interview that you did on Hard to Find Seminars promoting it was how I first discovered you. And that interview changed my life. Obviously we're working together now so it changed it in that way. But When I went through that interview and it itself was a template, you kind of went through and made the interview a template as well. Man, it opened up so many like locked doors in my brain and made my copywriting so much faster and more efficient. And uh, at the time I was like, dude, I got to meet this guy, David Garfinkel." And now we're here. So all I could say is that product was amazing and that idea was amazing. And I think that you tapped into something more than you gave yourself credit for when you brushed over it during this segment of the show.
1: Well, thank you. I'll take it, and to be efficient, we'll keep moving. Number seven, finally, what people want to be is recognized as an authority. This one is so obvious I almost didn't include it, but so important I couldn't leave it out. Not point number seven, but what I'm about to say. Let's start with this. Why do people write a book? Yours truly included. Nathan included I imagine, unless you tell me otherwise, right in the title of the person who writes the book is the root of the word authority, author. Both of them come from the Latin root auctor, which means originator or promoter. But regardless of all that fancy academic stuff, when you write a book, nine times out of 10, you do become an authority on something by dint of the information you had to gather, organize, synthesize, and present. And of course, you get all the recognition. Yes. So let's look at other things that people put effort and resources into getting or creating for among many reasons to become, in other words, not the only reason they do it maybe, but one of the reasons they do it is to become recognized as an authority, and that's professional degrees. A doctor or a lawyer is assumed by most people to be an authority. And most doctors certainly are. I'm going to tread lightly here just because I have met and hired some lawyers who are brilliant authorities. I'm not saying the only reason these professionals do this is for the recognition, but it definitely comes as part of the package. So the one thing I left out a couple of steps ago from influence over others is public speaking. Uh, Many people are afraid of it, but many people are willing to do it because of the influence being the person in the front of the room conveys. As someone who's done it more than a few times, I can testify that it does make you seen as a recognized authority. Of course, if you haven't done your homework, you'll get found out soon enough. Uh, Enough said about that. The point being, if you want to be recognized in authority, don't follow the formula of fake it until you make it. That's not going to work here. Better to become an authority first and then go for the recognition. So that's all I got on this one, Nathan.
0: Yeah. So gold, which is kind of like the authority of all precious metals on the periodic table of elements is actually a U gold is listed as a U and it comes from the Greek or no, from the Latin word aurum, which means to be shining down. So That term authority and the very beginning of it, the AU, it's long rooted in our history. And I think that is what it is. When you want to be an authority figure, you want to be seen as the person shining down on the rest of the tribe, on the rest of the community. And it triggered that in me when you said speaking from stage, because that's exactly what
1: you're doing when you're speaking from stage. Wow. Good insight. I never put that together before. I'm glad you did. Thank you. Okay. All right, so let's recap, and we're out of here. The seven things Vic Schwab said your prospects want your product to help them be, and if you can just get one of them in your pitch, you're doing fine. Those seven things are good parents, social, hospitable, creative, proud of their possessions, influential over others, efficient, and recognized as authorities. And the book is called How to Write a Good Advertisement by Victor Schwab. And we we can put a link in the show notes.
0: Absolutely. I want to say I had fun doing this episode. I think this has been one of the better episodes in the series. And I also want to give credit to the book. You recommended it, and I went out and got it and listened to it on Audible. And so many gold nuggets in that book. I've listened to it five times now, and every time I'm writing down new little gold nuggets that I'm finding in it.
1: I thought you told me you were going to get the print edition because there were some things in there that no matter how closely you listened, it was too much information. No, you decided. I have not, to. not,
0: I have not gotten the print edition yet, but I have gone through and listened to it five times so far. What? So I, uh,
1: I should get the print edition though. Uh, however you best take in the information is great.
0: All right, David, thank you so much, man, for putting this episode together and also for bringing this book to my attention and to the attention of the listeners. And if you want to check out more episodes of this podcast, head on over to copywriterspodcast.com and anything else before we're out of here?
1: No, just, you know, for watching this on YouTube, please like, and subscribe.
0: Awesome. All right, man, until next time, we'll catch you later.
1: Catch you later. Hey, did you enjoy today's show? Want to help get it into the ears of more listeners? Be sure to subscribe, rate, and review on your favorite podcast app. This is the Copy and Funnels Podcast Network.